Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with more sex. How you doing, MB? It's a special time to visit with you on Saturday night. The house uh, is quiet. Cheryl's out, of, out with her, some girlfriends for dinner. Travis is uh, sitting in front of the TV having a nice, we had a nice pizza party. And uh, 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 so here's kind of a weird thing. So um, I was uh, visiting with uh, Chris's parents and they, they came over, uh, I think, the night before Thanksgiving, and I asked him if he wanted a beer. This is Chris's dad. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he said, yeah. He, I said, well, what kind of beer do you like? And he said, well, nothing nothing too hoppy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. You want a Corona? And he says, sure. Okay. So uh, anyway, um, uh, Travis is here. And uh, we ordered some pizza for dinner tonight, and we're drinking an IPA. And I said, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I like a a big hoppy beer, right? And I found it kind of interesting that um, here's like a you know big strapping Canadian fellow, mm-hmm. not liking a hoppy beer, right? And so Travis is saying how he uh, was at a Brunswick school hockey game. And they live near the near the school. Brunswick's like the local Greenwich Rich Boy place, you know, mm-hmm. the, where the kids go. Anyway, so it's between periods, and they walk over from the hockey rink of Brunswick to one of the guys' houses. And with them is uh, a parent, a Brunswick parent, Mark Messier. Oh yeah. And so the one of the parents runs in the house, and he brings out three cans of beer, and. Uh, Messier says, uh, is that one of those IPAs? And the guy's like, yeah. And Messier's like, uh, no, thanks. Wow. So I I don't know what it... I of course, mean, I light for the captain? He likes the uh, Labats, I suppose. Okay, all right. We'll have to check with the uh, our friends up north who review beers every week and see what the what the story is. But um, you brought I, thought, up Brun- I thought that was a little unusual. You brought up the Brunswick School. Um, you want to know one of their most famous illustrious alumni? Those Winklevoss kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They've done quite well. They've mm-hmm. done quite nicely. Quite, they're uh, at the top of the pyramid. The uh, Being Saturday night, uh, it's timely because when I went to bed last night, uh, Bitcoin was trading around 56,000 and I woke up and it was trading 43,000 and I'm thinking, you know, it's an amazing store of value. Stop it, please. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I, I've never gotten so many alerts on my phone, you know, I'm ugh, okay. So I'm, I'm on vacation with my daughter, go to yeah. the beach, have a lovely day. It's just me and her sunset down at the dock go to sleep early. We had a long day. You know, we fell asleep together. I wake up at, I don't know, 5.30, 17 alerts. Bitcoin has hit your new price target. 5% down, 10% down, 15% down. I said, okay, no problem. I'm just going to keep scrolling through and it'll be back up, right? Wrong. Oh. Well, it, it's back up to like 49,000 oh, or something like that. <laughs> great. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, hodl, baby. Hodl. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Now, that's what somebody said to me. That now you sit and wait, right? 
Yeah, yeah what's what your what's what's your strategy? <laughs> Hope. Oh, that's a bad strategy. Oh, God. And that's on top of what happened on Friday in the equity markets, which were. This is your time to shine because you've been. All right. Finally, for last week, I started the show saying we sat here for 45 weeks and talked about all time highs and yada, yada, yada. Finally, is this what you've been waiting for? No, is this is not, it starting? No. To, no, this is not it. Fine. Thank you. So this is not the beginning of the end. This is not. This is, this is not the silent crash, no. as I heard. Oh, this is perhaps the end of the beginning. Okay, um, I, I'm not and, forecasting doom and gloom. I mean, I. Uh, you why know, not? Any, Please, tonight's the night. <laughs> I believe last show I mentioned that to me, Monday, Tuesday, the price action was important. I think this whole week the price action is pretty important. Um. Well, let's, we're going to see what's what's what the uh, what the market's made of. You know, I used to use the phrase "they shake the tree," and see who falls out. Okay. And so, one person who fell out pretty smartly was uh, old Kathy Wood. There, uh, the Ark Fund traded at ninety three, right? And uh, and I looked at um, her top ten holdings. Oh, please and, give them. Um, oh, yeah. So this is pretty interesting. So um, anyway, I had a long discussion with uh, my friend Nelson about her, uh, which I think might be a little accretive, so I'll get to that in a minute. But her top holding is Tesla, and then number two is Zoom. Number three is Teladoc. <laughs> number four is Coinbase. Number five is Spotify. And number six is Square. Didn't did they change the name? Was it now it called Cube or something or no, Box it's, or No, it's Square. It's Square. What was it called before? They just changed the name. Was it Stripe? Was Stripe? Was it Stripe? Whatever. Anyway, yeah. So anyway, Tesla, right? It's it's not a car company. It's a technology company. Uh, she price target of three thousand, right? Is she sticking with her three thousand dollar price target? I, I didn't. You know what? I when we chatted earlier this week, I didn't get to it. Um, Zoom. Stop it. Seems to me like that ship has sailed. You think? Teladoc. Goodbye. Uh, you know, I. Coinbase. Oh, please! This is uh, why we. This is. Uh, thank God we don't. We don't do this every Sp- week. Spotify. Stop, please. Yeah. So okay. I, I'm just kind of curious. I mean, five years ago, if you picked these names, mm-hmm. genius. Bingo. I mean, and if what? yep, yep. Okay. So uh, anyway, my friend Nelson, who I've known since 1992, has had given me three stock tips in his life. Stock tip number one: Tesla. Yep. When? Okay. When was this? Now, now. Yep. I don't know, five years ago, six years mm, yeah. ago, seven years okay. If not longer, probably, right? Yep. Probably because time goes by much quicker. Okay. Stock tip number two, which I listened to, was Microsoft. Okay. At 50. Okay. That one I did really nicely on. Okay. Stock tip number three, and uh, I know there's one listener out there who's going to make fun of me because I won't pronounce this right, but uh, NVIDIA. You, bang, you nailed it. Did I? 
Oh, absolutely. Okay, so Jesus, that guy, when did so that he guy give can you... go fuck himself. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fuck off, smart guy. Because <laughs> um, MB nailed it. It's NVIDIA. Okay. All right. So while I nailed pronouncing it, I didn't nail it when it was like 80 bucks a share when Nelson told me. <laughs> and by the way, these were not lucky picks. He, well, maybe they were lucky, but he nailed the logic. He was like, look, the whole industry needs, all these industries need the NVIDIA chip. They're, they got a corner on the market. Okay. Well, it had gone from, you know, probably 70 to 80. And yep, I'm like, yep. okay, I can't buy it. Okay. So uh, anyway. Can um, I talk about it for a second? Can, you know why sure. I pay attention to that, to NVIDIA? I, cause I, my 529B for my daughter. So I put my money in the 529B. It's her New York state college fund. Okay. okay. So I wanted to see what their portfolio is. Cause you can, you can buy a different state. Some people say, all right, use Minnesota. We like their portfolio, their strategy. Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting. So oh, you could, yeah, you can use, pick your state. I, I said, look, I live in New York. I'm going to New York. I use the 529B. I looked at their holding. It's the Vanguard total stock market, whatever. Like they have two Vanguard, whatever. The top NVIDIA is in the top 10 of that Vanguard fund. I said, oh. all right, let, let me pay attention to NVIDIA. So I add it to my list. Dude, it has been ripping. Oh, um, it's up and Nel- five, and Nelson- six, seven times. And Nelson said it at 80. Yeah, that's amazing, oh, man. Yeah. 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 So we he's a big believer in uh, kind of the future and all of the wonderful things that technology can provide. And, you know, so far he's he's nailed it, okay? So he is, you know, kind of bought into the Kathy Wood notion. I'm sure. And so he and I, the, 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 where he and I degre- disagreed is, well, first of all, uh, let's take the professionalism out of it because, I, you know, I think that's laughable. But um, she's got the wrong vehicle. So what does she say? Look, if you buy my fund, you better have a five-year horizon because I'm looking not next year or the year after, but I'm looking five years down the road, and there's going to be ups and downs, yada, yada, yada. Okay, well, that to me is silly because people buying an ETF are not buying stuff because they they want your five-year view. If you want to create a business, then have a private equity kind of format where you put the money in or you have a right to call the money from the investor and the money's locked up. I don't blame her for doing it though. It's like the casino, the casino needs slot machines. You know, if she's, if she can take all that sucker money, if she, you know, I, I mean, I agree with you from, from that standpoint. Um, but she got I, a sucker. Uh, she got a sucker like me. I wanted to get the when I mean, this was years ago when I wanted to get exposure to Tesla, Bitcoin, blah 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 blah. And she had the basket, and I said, "Oh, this is perfect. She's speaking my language. I love her." Right. You remember this when I was a, I was on her, I was part of her cult. This is two or three years ago, and then was when I started, when you got the free T-shirt, the free <laughs> T-shirt. I paid fifty or, bucks for that thing, pal. Really? Well, hang yeah, on I mean, to the, that thing. That I mean, the show paid for it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> receipts. I want receipts. Right. Yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, I, what I wanted to kind of mention uh, or kind of talk to you about is not the fact that they f- f- fucking cane the market on Friday, um, uh, but more along the lines, I was having a discussion with my son-in-law. Uh, we were talking about inflation and the way corporations are. And so if you 
you had mentioned on the show at one point that uh, the John Deere was, uh, you know, negotiating with the union, right? And that the unions were able to get some massive increase. They got something like an $8,500 signing bonus and a 10% bump and then uh, maybe like a 5% bump every three years or, or, or something like that. Right? And something else for new hires, like, like something yeah, for it was, new it hires. Was a very yep. good, it was a very good deal. And I was reminiscing uh, about, did I say that word right? Reminiscing? Two for two tonight. Unbelievable. Um, I was thinking about how when uh, my father uh, had been out of work for a period of time, and he went to work to be the marketing director for a greeting card company. And so they they did their own printing. So first, the idea was, which was stupid to me for reasons I'll explain, he was going to get me a summer job working there. Okay. The reason it was stupid was, it was like 40 minutes by car to get to work, and I didn't have a car. <laughs> anyway, Hired. anyway, he, uh, he um, takes me to the personnel, and I'm talking to the personnel manager, and the personnel manager's asking me, what do I think about unions? And so I, I was in, just had finished Econ 101, and, and, and I said, well, look, here, this is what I think about unions. I think a long time ago, they made a lot of sense because you had management was not paying fair wages. They weren't good benefits. Working conditions weren't safe. So these guys banded together and they were able to get management to come to the table and kind of put things together. Now, in today's era, which is now you're talking about the late 70s, uh, I don't think they serve a purpose because you have a lot of people at the top of the unions who are getting paid. There's rumors that, you know, there's some funny money getting pushed around. And it, it seems like guys are getting paid fairly. So I, I don't see the reason for unions anymore. Okay. So anyway, finish up nice conversation with the personnel guy. And we're driving home, and, and so my dad's like, well, so how did how did your interview go? I said, I thought it pretty well. And he said, well, what did you talk about? And I said, so we talked about unions. And he's like, well, what did you say? And I said, well, you know, back when they started, I thought they were good things. And he got all pissed off at me because he was management. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, listen to me. I, I said, they used to be good. Right. So um, I don't know. Maybe my sister or brother get a kick out of that. But um, I guess, okay, why did I come down this road? I came down this road because you have a situation that has been getting worse and worse over the years where you have people who run companies. They're not the guys who started the company. They may not have even worked for the company for all that long, but they're getting enormous pay packages. And so, you know, when you came out of the depression, I think maybe after the second world war, I, I read it in one of these books and I, I didn't bother to go back and look, but basically after the second world war, you had a lot of executives get together and, and have a meeting and they sort of concluded that the head guy, the boss 
shouldn't be paid more than 35 times the lowest uh, paid employee. And that's how they ran things, okay? So now, fast forward to today, uh, you have guys, so the guy running, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the guy running Microsoft, he's done a really nice job. But I'm sure he's taken a billion dollars out of the thing, okay? And the Tim Cook guy at Apple, okay, he's taken a billion dollars out of the thing. And so now I want to talk, uh, keeping along these lines, I'm not going to get this right, so please help me. DJ Desal. You got it right. You're okay. three for three tonight. So DJ Desal, I think, started his career as a commercial paper salesman at Drexel Burnham Lambert. Okay. Then he moved over to Bear Stearns. Okay. And then he has moved over to the prestigious firm of Goldman Sachs. Now, his pay package last year, I think, was $27.5 million, plus or minus. Okay. So uh, why, why do I kind of move in this direction? I, I, the trick for all these podcasts we do is for us to try and kind of intertwine things to make a point. Okay. So David Solomon's kind of like the low-hanging fruit on this stuff. Okay. Um, see how I can put this thing together. These, these large corporations have boards of directors. Okay. And the board of directors are supposed to represent the shareholders. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the deal. Okay. What amazes me is they compensate these executives who did not create the company, right? They are employees. And so in Solomon's case, $27 million, okay? Um, you know, if he was a fellow that had worked at Goldman out of college and had never sold a share of stock, okay, and, and made a ton of money, you know, I got a little, little sympathy for that, right? Uh, but you look, especially this week, okay, you had the stock market collapse. I'm sure it'll bounce. You've had the Bitcoin problem. So now the financial markets are in flux. So if you look in the news, let's see if I can bring this up without deleting the podcast, okay? But um, let me, just give me half a second here. You know, I'm, I'm technically challenged. Um, there was an article in Bloomberg the headline is Goldman's leaders push new creative ways to juice their own pay. 
Thank you, Ara. Ara sent that to us. All right. So Ara, our listener in London, okay. we got that from him. Speaking of which, one of our London listeners won the, the contest. And so his hat's in a box. <laughs> it's sitting in the back of my car, which <laughs> I promised to take to the post office this week. But Okay, so that's one article. And there's a picture of DJ Soul uh, <laughs> showing him. Okay. And by the way, he looks like Don Rickles. Oh, Rickles is a legend, though. Don't, he, insult, yeah. don't insult Rickles. So, so that's one. He really article. does, though. So that's one article. Now, this is the guy, arguably the most prestigious investment bank in the world. Okay. He's got his picture on a Bloomberg article saying they're figuring out ways to juice their competition. But as they say on the ad for the Ginzu knife, but wait, there's more. I hope I can find this fucking thing. Okay. Uh, New York Post. Oh, no. Oh, come on. The Post. Not the FT. Not no. the Wall Street Journal. Okay. So if basically, the Post has it, it's good. I can't find it. What did the Post say? An, it said, talked about him being a DJ. And um, you know what? Riff, riff for 30 seconds, will you? And I'll find yeah, this yeah. thing. Um, because it's just it's just too good. Oh, and he to be def defends his DJing habit, and he and he brought up Ma Barry Manilow. <laughs> he brought up Barry Manilow, and um, I'll read you the article. You ready? <laughs> Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon defended his side gigs as a dance club DJ and revealed his worship of Springsteen, even as he copped the guilty pleasures when it comes to music that include the Bee Gees and Barry Manilow. This is that's the lead sentence in the fucking post. The hard charging. Solomon, who has attracted controversy with his part-time DJ gigs amid complaints from junior bankers about 100-hour work weeks, defended spinning records in a Thursday interview, saying it helps his left brain, right brain balance. Yes. Let me read yes. you the quote. Let me read you the quote. Let me read you the quote. I have this analytical side of my mind that helps me with my business professional career, Solomon told the podcast. He was on a podcast, so we can get him on the show. I'm not even going to name the show. But I haven't had a lot of opportunities to stimulate the artistic, creative side of my That's brain, it. That's and, the and it makes me feel good. It helps me relax. Helps me relax. <laughs> I just can three o'clock in the club. Can I re re repeat this one? I haven't had a lot of opportunities to stimulate the artistic, creative side of my brain. Marcus Goldman is rolling over in his grave. <sighs> He's bored. He's bored, MB. Okay, so now let's go back because, you know, what What does old Chestnut bring to the table? <laughs> he tries to spin uh, these things together, right? Okay, so this guy, okay, you don't have to pay him $27.5 million. You know what you have to pay him? Five bucks, $5 million. You know why? Because this guy has got such low self-esteem, okay, he probably would pay you to be chairman of Goldman Sachs, right? So the board of directors, I think, has violated their fiduciary responsibility. Are you, are you follow where I'm going? Yeah, I don't disagree. I can't, you know, d define that. Fiduciary, can you, like, what, like, Give me, give me a loose 
definition of that? Well, you have a responsibility to make sure that you're following reasonable business practices. So what they will do, what the board will do is say, well, Jamie Dimon got paid this, or that guy got paid that, and therefore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's okay. But, I know. You know, there's an element of this that I just don't think it's right. You know, you have a lot of these guys uh, with these jobs, whether it's Tim Cook or the guy at Microsoft. Um, and I'm sure there's many of these people along the way that are getting paid huge chunks of money. And it's they're putting the market up on themselves. So the guy at Apple gets paid based on what the guy at Microsoft gets paid, right? Because that's the competitor. But, you know, they I just don't see, in, in, in my experience, uh, when you hear about, well, if they don't pay me, he's going to leave. I'm not a big believer in that thing. You know, I've been on the corporate jets. I've seen the assistants. I've seen the, the luxury boxes. You know, all this stuff that doesn't necessarily show up in the, the, the K1, not the K1, but the, the W2s. And, you know, the guy walking around, like, like, look, I'm not an electronic music aficionado. I'm not even a, 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 a dilettante. But I would wager a chunk of money that DJ D. Saul, if he wasn't chairman of Goldman Sachs and Company, he wouldn't be getting these gigs. Uh, I talked to my friend in the music business. He said, guaranteed he wrote a check to, to Marquis for that gig. There's no chance. No, no chance that they ask him to come and do it. He, you can write a check. If you're big enough, you write a check. You want the gig. Here's your check. We'll give it to charity. Something. They work it out. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, I, I just, it's heartbreaking to me because, you know, growing up in the business, Goldman Sachs was like the, the place, right? And then I was uh, an institutional client for years and dude the best yeah and yeah yeah, you know uh i just as i became a boss right one of the things i had the luxury of saying when i'd ask somebody to do a kind of a crummy job not do a bad job but do a job nobody wanted to do was i could look the person in the eye and say look you know i did that you know, I, I was up at 2 in the morning doing this shit when I was your age, and so now you're going to have to do it. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. Get it. But, right? So here he is hearing about these analysts who are, are miserable, right? And he's waxing poetic about being able to relax using the artistic side of his brain. And by the way, you know... um, it's no secret that through my career, they didn't wheel me out in front of clients, right? Because, I mean, you know me. <laughs> you, what you see is what you get, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But there's a reason. It's because there's a lot of money at stake. And you don't want 
somebody to represent you that is anything other than buttoned down bulletproof. And, and so, like, you read it's these articles, it's like, oh, yeah, the young kids like talking to them about the music. Please. Come on. Please. You paid for that article, too. So, um, it's a, that, no, it, it's just a terrible optic. Imagine, you know, imagine you're a client and you, like, you're going to go in there on Monday morning and he's out screwing around doing this on Saturday night until the club at 3 o'clock in the morning. There's no way you can come into the office Monday morning at 6 a.m. with your game face on when you're in the nightclub until 3 a.m. I've been there. I've done that. It is, it's, I couldn't do it when I was 20. I couldn't do it when I was 25. I sure as shit couldn't do it when I was 55. There's yeah. no way, Morris. Well, you're, that's, the, that's Liam Allen forward price because you're not 55. You're 40, right? Yeah, yeah 38, okay. yeah. So if I run the math, I, I'll run it through the computer. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to uh, our friend Kevin this morning about mm -hmm. forward prices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He, he, uh, I hope he doesn't get mad if I say this, but he, he sent me this thing, and I, it's like 6 in the morning or whatever. He's like, is, it, is this XYZ? And I'm like, uh, oh, it's not an email answer. <laughs> and he's like, well, when can you talk to me? And I'm like, how about Sunday afternoon? He's like, wrong answer. <laughs> So I'm sitting in my freaking bathrobe. I haven't had my full cup of coffee, and I'm trying to remember stuff from ten years ago, which was it's flattering. Mm -hmm. It's it's flattering. Um, but going back to this whole concept of the board of directors, and I don't know if this adds any value, but uh, a lot of reasons people put businesses in a corporate structure. Okay is to prevent them from financial and personal liability, okay? And, you know, that's a, that's a really good thing because it, it delineates, you know, uh, how things are going to go and you know what your downside is. And, and that's very beneficial to uh, the growth of businesses, okay? But like anything, that can be taken advantage of. And so... We had firsthand experience with this, and I see if I can kind of extrapolate it. So uh, Cheryl runs a charter aircraft business, and she's done that for, uh, it might be 20 years, something like that. And, you know, to be honest, it makes a little money. No one's going to get rich on it, but it's interesting. And uh, at early stages, we worked on it together. Now she runs it and does a great job. And uh, but, you know, it makes a little bit of money. Okay. So what was happening was people would buy these airplanes and they would put them in a corporation. And then you would buy liability insurance. You're with me so far, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So the idea was that, well, you buy an airplane, you buy liability insurance, and if the plane crashes, if they blow through the insurance, you know, you're good because it's in a corporation, right? But what they were discovering was there would be aircraft owners who wouldn't be properly maintaining the aircraft. And so they were leaning on the corporate structure and allow them to behave in a 
you know, less than mm-hmm. was honorable, but but in a negligent fashion. And so th- I think, think, I'm not a lawyer, but I think there were some court cases where there was a problem and the prosecution was be, was able to do this thing they called piercing the corporate veil, meaning the owners lost their protection of the corporate structure because they were negligent in their behavior. Okay. So it's this is a bit of a stretch, but you have these people on the board of directors of these companies, and they get paid a fair amount of money. You know, I don't think it's uncommon for a, a, a Fortune 500 board member to get, you know, two, three hundred thousand bucks a year, right? And they go to the meeting and they look at the board book and they ask some questions and then they they go away. And if there's a problem, they have director's insurance and that's supposed to cover it. But I kind of wonder where, especially where the compensation of the executive is concerned, is like where, I just wonder, is there some point here where there's supposed to be some obligation of these board members to really work on the compensation of the executives. And and so the easy thing is to say, well, you got a company that makes $3 billion a year, and you know if the president gets paid $10 million or $20 million, what's the difference? Well, the difference is it's, it's $10 million bucks. And when you're breaking balls with the junior analysts, when they cut out their free lunches, it doesn't play well. Now, I know the market went down last week and, and this and that. And yeah, I think it's overpriced. But are we starting a bear market? I have no idea. Okay. But I do know this. In the next five to seven years, there's going to be a bear market and it's going to be ugly. Okay. And what's going to happen is that knuckleheads in Washington are going to go bullshit on Wall Street, okay? And they're going to look back at these pay packages and they're going to look at the behavior of this or other executives and they're going to be, you know, it just just keep your fucking head down. Yeah. So that's my rant. That's that's, that's, that's my rant. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, uh, does Goldman Sachs need him? If he left tomorrow, if he if he said, "Look, I'm leaving tomorrow," I think Goldman Sachs doesn't miss a beat. Let's try. I'm in. What do you say? <laughs> Get it? Doesn't doesn't miss a beat. <laughs> First of all, yeah, I'm in. I'm in Arizona. You're in Florida. Mm-hmm, correct. We would hear the hooray from 200 West Street. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, there's some of these Reddit boards where they they talk about the guy. They don't nobody likes him. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Give it time, dude. Let it let it get ugly for a couple weeks going into the holidays, and and I bet the amount of DJ gigs dramatically decreases. Wow. I think that's fine when things are ripping along. Um, but I think when things start to get dark, uh, you got to. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It really speaking, is. But, sp- speaking of dark. I was shocked. 
I was just absolutely floored to find out the reason Elizabeth Holmes created a, uh, what's the word? She is accused of fraud because she had been raped in college. It's funny, you just found that out now. See, yeah. I, and, and so here's the thing. Rape is no laughing matter. It's, it's a horrible experience. There's no which makes if she which makes it if she's lying, if she's lying, <sighs> it makes it all the worse. Yeah. But look at the track record of lies already. Yeah, you know, I think you're being too kind. Like, uh, let's just say it happened. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, yep, 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 you know, yep. who's I mean, you know, who's gonna make that up? That's a horrible thing. Why make it up? Okay. Yep. Yep. Why why now? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean I just I'm still not sure that thing's in the bag, man. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's uh Tough to get yeah. a read on it. it. You know, it's a, it's funny that tr- that that trial hasn't gotten a ton of coverage. For all the c- trial coverages that we get and all the courtroom stuff that we get, I haven't gotten a lot of. Uh, I know there's there's reporters that are lining up at three o'clock in the morning to get into that courthouse, and there's people that are following. But you you have to dig to get to the bottom of that. I really hope she doesn't get a sympathy not guilty. You know. Yeah. Well, the. the- the trial is supposed to end the seventeenth. Did yeah, I read that? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm, she's All right. stick a yeah. fork in it. I mean, it's. I just don't. I just All right. don't. Uh, I know. I know. She got pregnant right before the trial started, too. Now she's got her fraternity sister showing up as signs. As, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like in football they call it the hail mary. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yep. Okay. So the other one of the other things. Uh, God, I just, I don't know. I, I hesitate to bring this up, but I'm a little concerned. Kamala Harris, have you seen her? You know, I have not in the past two weeks. I have not seen her. I have not heard a peep from the vice president. Is that why? What, what, have, what have I missed? I don't, I don't know. I've know. heard there. All right, well, from what I've heard, there's a schism. I've heard that there's friction between her and the president. My sources in Washington have told me that they are not on good terms, and the proof of that, I think, was her communications director resigning quietly two weeks ago. So when your comms director leaves, okay, that that tells me that there's you know the rats are. So, oh, so but, but. if her communications director, I saw a picture. I'm wondering if this is. This was this woman. So there was the vice president dressed very smartly in a Armani-esque suit with appropriate heels. Always. Next to her was a smartly dressed man from, I think, the immigration services or something like that. Okay. And then next to the vice president was a large woman 
gravitationally challenged, wearing a very, very bright dress with stripes that went across, right? Horizontal. So like horizontal, right? Mm-hmm. And so apparently this woman didn't get the memo that when you're heavy, you don't wear horizontal stripes because they may, so uh, clearly not qualified to be communications director because most communication is nonverbal. Right. And that said, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> right. I'm sorry. I, mm-hmm. You know what? I, nope. So this is the second show in a row I've come really unprepared, and I, I, I want to apologize for that. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Can I ask you about the gold? <laughs> sure. Because it, you know, because amongst all the things that were going on, it's. I said to myself this week. I said, "Is this is this finally going to creep back up?" No. Is it? No. Okay. All right. Never mind. So I I spoke to our good friend Kevin Muir. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. And it hit me what's going on with gold, okay? There's somebody, meaning some foreign government, they're selling their gold. It's the only explanation. So from a fundamental basis, it's the only explanation because all the fundamental things say the price of gold should go higher. From a technical explanation, and this you may find, you might find interesting, uh, Kevin found interesting but didn't believe me, but that's that's fine. So there were a couple of times where I would have a position that was a large percentage of the market. And I had to move it. I wanted to I wanted to get out of it. And so that is something that very few people ever have the opportunity to do let alone do it right. You know, I mean, it it doesn't happen that often. And so what I discovered through trial and error is the only way to sell a large position is to sell when it's going up and people have got the bit in their teeth. And so I was thinking about this the other day. And so remember how the gold got crushed. It was trading down like the 1700s. And silver, they were, as I think Leslie said, they were beating it like a baby seal. Um, okay. Leslie didn't say it. But <laughs> I said it. So, but then when the stuff firmed up and the fundamentals look good and you heard about this foreign country bought 26 tons of gold. Singapore, and, yeah. Right? Okay. So when gold got above $1,800 an ounce, it's like the news is good. The news is good. Somebody stood there and freaking sold everything that people wanted. Okay. And then he went away. And then the market drifted lower and he stopped selling. And then the market went back up and he's feeding it out as the market goes up. And as soon as the buyers stop, the, the price settles back down. And the only explanation that I can have is some, whether it's Russia, whether it's China, I don't know, Ukraine, wow. whoever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's Janet Yellen. Yeah, know, yeah, but of course. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, El Salvador. Whole, something like that. So uh I I just don't I just don't uh I, I it's hard for me to be optimistic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know that uh I've gotten sort of a, a rap for being down on the crypto stuff. 
And I thought I saw a few things that were worth bringing up. Just, I don't know if it's in defense of my view, but at least maybe people will come to understand it's not just like an angry old man thing. Okay, so the first thing I want to mention here is you've had a couple of trades in this NFT market. Okay, this first one happened two or three weeks ago, and I had it in my show notes, but I didn't, uh, I didn't get to it. So you may recall somebody bought a $500,000 NFT from themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you just had a uh, $650,000 NFT, NFT trade. So it's kind of a similar thing, right? It was sort of a bogus transaction. The $650,000 yacht? Yeah, like in the metaverse or something like that. Okay. So why do, why do I bring that up? It's actually kind of similar to what I was trying to just describe to you with gold, okay? And why the crypto stuff is a problem. So if you went out and you started trading XYZ stock with Kevin, okay, and the two of you decided, we're going to do some trades back and forth and we're going to, quote, paint the tape to try and make it look like the price goes up, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That's illegal. Mm-hmm. Yep. You bucket know, guys, shop stuff, yep. Bucket shop, or I think now they call it spoofing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right, okay. J.P. Morgan made a fortune on the gold doing that. So talking about the crypto stuff, the big thing I hear about, like, why you want the crypto is obviously yada, 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 the U.S. dollar is worthless, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, let's just set that one aside. The, the real salient argument is it should be less expensive than traditional finance, okay? Well, see, here's the thing that sticks with me a little bit. Having been someone that started at the bottom and worked their way up, okay? I'm familiar with all of the things that a regulated entity has to do to have the license to be a a bank, okay? And you know what? It's expensive. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to when I was in Greenwich Capital, okay? And I'm going to try and do this from memory, but I had to pay my rent, right? Because we had to have an office, right? I had support staff. You know, I had to have the, there were the mm-hmm. receptionist and that sort of thing. Then I had the back office, which included people to enter the trades, people to verify the trades. Uh, then you had the, legal department, which had to vet all of the contracts. Then you had the compliance department, which made sure that everything you uh, did conform to the rules. And then you had 
internal reporting, which was the management stuff. So you had the trader's risk and you had the P&Ls. Then you had the, you know, the general ledger stuff, the business stuff, right? You had to have a cafeteria. People have to eat, right? Someone's got to wash the windows. Mm-hmm. Go on. Um, summer interns, charity. For a number of years, Greenwich Capital paid for like the fireworks for Greenwich mm-hmm. on the 4th of July, right? I mean, and by the way, I mean, I don't know how many things I've listed for you, but that's a fraction of what it what it was. And so where does that come from? Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, you can give your money to Coinbase, but if shit happens, who, you know, once again, who are you calling? You're going to call Brunswick and ask for alumni and, and try and get hooked up with Winkle V and Winkle Vi? I mean, I, you One know, of our I, listeners needs to send an email to the Brunswick school. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying, right? 100%. So, so now, you know, when, when you talk about the, well, somebody needs to send $400 ah. from Staten Island to his brother-in-law in Karachi and yep. it costs 50 bucks. Yep. Well, uh, yeah. So what uh, you're saying, the way I read it that was, was people start scampering around uh, when they have to trade their one shit coin for a tether and then their tether for an ether and then they're either for a Bitcoin and at the end game, everybody's trying to get to a US dollar and who has the US dollars? The banks. And none of these clowns are banks and they're going to find out how valuable it is to have a relationship with a bank or to be a bank in the next coming whatever weeks months because it's getting ugly out there for the the coiners i said this to you last week bear markets find the mistakes the auditors can't okay we still haven't gotten an answer on tether so so let's 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 dissect this thing for a minute okay and i i you know I've had to get the shit rubbed in my face since August 6th, 2020 with gold, right? So I'm not picking on you in particular. I mean, I look, I've stepped on my dick more than anybody. But um, Bitcoin went from 56,000 to 43,000 in under 24 hours. Overnight. Okay. QED. I mean, what is that? You know what it is? Or a value. It's, it's fucking bullshit. Totally. And when this thing comes unwound, right, and it's going to come unwound, it, people are going to be fucking devastated. And and so when you look at the guys, and this is kind of what's sort of neat about this, and I, 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 I don't... I guess... The truth is, when I say things, I, I, some people think I have uh, an air of uh, respectability or understanding. But when you look at the big names, and I'm not going to mention any name because job one is don't get sued. But the guys who are initially pushing the Bitcoin and the Ethereum and the whatever they're called, right? What have they done? They've morphed a lot of their investment into the companies that are the ones that are going to benefit if 
the crypto stuff becomes a viable business. So what they're doing is they're taking their what we would call flat price flat price risk out of the the cryptocurrencies and they're investing them in crypto type businesses. So the thing is these are smart guys and I'm suspecting that's been their play that is the cryptocurrencies go up they're selling them out and they're investing in you know this smart contract company or that uh research company or mm-hmm. another smart contract company or something like that and then when things go south and the currencies go down they will own a basket of companies that you know 70% of them are going to be worthless but 30% of them are going to be worth a lot of money and so joe schmo trading the stuff back and forth gets caught long dogecoin <laughs> and mr wall street executive who knows how to manipulate this thing gets caught you know ends up making money and i think mm-hmm. that's kind of how that thing has a very real shot of playing out the the gold and the silver i fucked that up i fucked that up nine ways from sunday and you know what if i if i thought about every mistake i made trading okay i would never be able to get out of bed in the morning okay i my greatest skill my my superpower is the ability to forgive myself for mistakes okay and uh you've been with me on that journey mm-hmm. right i told you i'm not looking to make 5% on this thing i'm trying to get the big bat out and knock it out of the park and i you know there is no joy in mudville mighty casey has struck out and uh i'm okay with that you know i i if it's at twenty five hundred dollars in February, I'm. <laughs> oh, that that works, by the way. I, okay, okay. I'll be, you know, I'm dumb, but I'm not stupid. Okay. <laughs> but uh, all right, if Cheryl ever listens to this podcast, what's going to happen is the door to my office is going to swing open, and she's going to say, "Never bring me a book with a miss in it." Number one, number two, you've had your fun. Get back to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, does, buddy. Uh, does uh, and you don't have to answer this. You can take the fifth. But does does Amy have an? I uh, keep an eye on your your uh, trading account. No, no, <laughs> and she's not listening either. So um, yeah, no. But I t- I tell her what's going on. No, she's busy. She you know she doesn't want to know. Because then I start talking about it, Morris. And as you know, like I get to st- I, I start talking, and it gets to be a, a bit much. Um, so you know, <laughs> she didn't marry you for your brains. <laughs> <laughs> it was your good looks, man. Yeah, right? that's it. Your, your trophy husband, eye candy. Yeah, five <laughs> five eleven, pale white Irish kid from New York. That's it. Not five eleven. Trust me, she knows. Five <laughs> eleven. I love that. Oh God, I miss you, buddy. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Well, I, yeah, I'm, we're supposed to come back. I, I guess security has told me I'm not supposed to identify the dates we travel. Oh man, I might just stay in Florida. I love it down here. 
Really? It's God's no. waiting. It's God's waiting room. <laughs> you know, it's nice. There's a lot of retired people. They get a kick out of the baby. You know, oh, they, they talk. The baby. Oh, it's love, fantastic. You gotta yeah. see the baby. Exactly. Exactly. So, so Travis has been here for a few days, and uh, he likes it here. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, you got beautiful. What are you at? Eighty degrees. You're up yeah. in the mountains. Yeah. 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 Am I going to be able to get you out here? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I can. I can do whatever I want. I had a great year. <laughs> I can do I start, whatever I, I want. I only started dicking around in the Bitcoin recently, so <laughs> <laughs> get famous last words. Well, well, uh, come out. We'll do some mountain biking and uh, um, maybe. F- when uh, do you get back busy again? March. Yeah, March. Yeah, March. Yeah, yeah. I've, so, got, I've got two months to to do as I please, and I intend to. But I, to uh, <laughs> with my daughter, with my daughter. Okay, all right. <laughs> uh, oh God, we're out let of me t- ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Can you tell me a CEO or managing director that's like directly linked to a company? Who's the face of a company? Who's a guy? Jamie Diamond. That's a good one. That's Jamie Diamond, like Jamie Diamond and Chase. I associate them, but like, I don't want to say Papa John's because he's an embarrassment and a joke. That's a terrible example, and I don't want to use our other friend that runs a similar situation right. as the yeah. other shop. But I'm trying to think of another person who's the face of a firm like that. Um, the guy who uh, owned Wendy's. You know, that's funny. I thought about that, dude. What's Dave it, Thomas. Dave I just wanted, I wanted to say that. I've been thinking about this while you've been talking for 20 minutes. I'm thinking to myself, I was like, I'm going to sound like a fool if I bring up Dave Thomas. But since, yeah, Dave Thomas, dude, Dave and Wendy's, um, I mean, he never embarrassed them. He did a great job. That He's the face of Wendy's, you know? Right. Um, yeah. What's your point? I'm just trying to think of like if there's a guy like I'm trying to think of a good example that's the opposite of DJ D Saul. So so some any of the listeners they can come up with somebody you know like I don't you know you could take Warren Buffett at Berkshire fine Gates at Microsoft fine but I, there's got to be a good example of somebody that, like if the, if he died or quit that the brand or the company or the firm would would be in trouble you know Steve Jobs oh wait a minute no no. Dude, speaking of that, so amongst all the bullshit with the market and everybody getting caned, Apple Apple was hitting all time highs. Yeah. Well, they've yeah. got this whole thing like they're going to make a car now. Please. And no. Everyone now they're going to be a car company. I hope that's just a big troll of Tesla. <laughs> so, um, so Travis has been here, and mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't like to drive, right? And. Um, and in fact, everyone's better off with me not driving, as you know. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe it's taken me 59 minutes and 45 seconds to tell you this. So there's no hitch on the back of the Porsche. Okay. And because the wheels on the car are so big that the trunk is really small because of the wheel wells. Right, mm-hmm. so you can't get a bike in the back of the car. <laughs> so um, I got this thing. It's called like a sea sucker. And oh, I, I know it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like Hell these yeah. suction cups. You put them on top of the car, and and they hold right. So okay. <laughs> on uh, I don't know. Let's say Tuesday, uh, 
I load up the mountain bike, put it on the top of the car. And, you know, I've, I know where I can put the bike so I don't drive into the, into the garage door. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I go out to McDowell and I, I do a, a, a pretty decent technical loop, come back, I feel pretty good. And I realize I'm going to go back and do the same thing the next day. So I got the bike on the top of the car, right? And, you know, fucking lazy, right? So, eh, I'll leave it there. And, uh... <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So the next day I come out, and I'm, like, taking out the garbage, and I look, and I'm like, where's my fucking bike? And the, the suction came off, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. The bike fell. There's a huge dent oh. scratch in the back of the fucking car now. Oh. So all I could think of is no one's going to pay any attention to the dented rims. <laughs> Dude, I listened to last week's show on the drive down today, and I said to myself, look, if we if we run into any cold spots tonight, I'm going to ask Morris for some where he drove this week. It took you an hour. <laughs> so now the rims, forget about the rims. How many miles are on the Porsche? 7,600 miles. <laughs> and you got a dent in the back, what, yeah. in the back trunk? You banged up the no, trunk? No, I didn't. Not the trunk, but like the back quarter panel. Jesus. What's the, that going to uh, be? Two grand? <laughs> yeah, for them to look at it. Oh, no. <laughs> More importantly, was the bike all right? The bike was okay. <laughs> the bike was okay. Thank God. Baruch Hashem. The oh. bike. <laughs> oh, boy. Was it still Hanukkah? Is it still Hanukkah? Uh, there were candles burning tonight, okay. so I guess, okay. I guess yes. So. Happy Hanukkah to all well, our thank listeners you. Yes, celebrate. Exactly. So I guess right, that's show number 46 is in the can, huh? What do, you, what do you see this week? What's going on? What do you have coming up this week? Uh, well, Travis goes home tomorrow, mm-hmm. and then uh, Tom and Jen are coming on Wednesday. So there's going to be some Margulises wow. and some mountain biking, the two ends. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the markets are going to be very interesting this week. I, I think that uh, uh, the stocks are, are you're going to see what people are made of, and so there's this. Saying I've used in a crisis, all correlations go to one. I think the fact that the stock market went down hard, I think the fact that the Bitcoin went down hard and the fact that Apple went up, Apple went up because that's the safe place to be. That's your defensive play. That's, that's, that's where you're putting your money. Place. You're selling Peloton and you're selling Zoom and you're putting it in Apple. They Apple. make money. That yep. right. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Maybe something good will happen this week. But uh, you look good, and uh, I'm glad Likewise. you're going to get some warm weather. And uh, hopefully, we don't get sued. <laughs> Actually, I hope I don't get sued. I I think they're going to look. They're coming for me first, but. Uh, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll take the heat. Thanks, pal. I appreciate it. I love you, buddy. Have a great I'll, weekend. I'll see you soon. Cheers.